let's open up in prayer today and we'll, we'll see what the Lord has for us. Did you all come expecting to hear from the Lord today? Amen. He's, he's, you know, when you go to mama's and she's cooking, you're happy. At least I always was. I'm so sorry if you had a mama with a good cook. But, you know, God's a good cook. <laughs> and he always cooks up something good that he knows it's going to minister to us when we come together. So, Lord, we just thank you for your presence here today. We're your children. And we're gathered here together. We're here to receive from you, to fellowship with you, to enjoy you and to hear what you have to say because Lord what you have to say is more important than anything we think any our brightest idea is nothing compared Lord to the words of your mouth and so our ears are open to hear from you today in Jesus name amen you know in Ephesians chapter 4 it, it says this it says that Jesus ascended on high he led captivities captive, and he gave gifts to men. And that means you and I here. And some people, uh, they're super proud of their gifts. They know what their gifts are. They're functioning gifts. They're flowing in their gifts. They might even think that their gift is better than anybody else's gift. <laughs> it's good to be confident. It's good to not go over the top. <laughs> And there also might be others of you here who would say, you know, if, if I've got a gift, um, I don't know it. <laughs> if the Lord has given me anything to contribute, I'm clueless. And um, you may not leave here today knowing what your gift is. God has gifted you. There's so many different gifts. There's very, very natural gifts that are just, you know, you got your set of DNA, <laughs> and in that set of DNA, there's all these potentials of, of all the fabulous things that you could do in this world just because you've been genetically gifted for that. Um, there are other gifts that um, you've picked up along the way. Some people, they've gone through some rough places in life. And those rough places have actually added something to them to give them that give them a capacity to minister to people at a very deep level that people who have not encountered that have no capacity. We can pat you on the shoulder, we can bake you a casserole and give it to you, but but there is we lack because we've never experienced. And and so just through life you may have you may have found there's these these gifts that you've been given that in the moment you never ever dreamed that there would be any gift that could come out of this. You know, there's a story in the Bible. I wish I could tell it from, from beginning to end, but I can't because they've got this thing timed. And when I'm out of time, they start playing the piano, and that means stop. <clears throat> <laughs> so if I throw a book at Chad or something, he may not go up there, but otherwise I'm restricted. But in the Bible, we have the story of Joseph, and um, Joseph had a gift, <laughs> he was very confident in his gift, and he didn't let anybody knock him off of his gift, but his brothers did not recognize his gift. They saw his gift, but they didn't see it as a gift. <laughs> they saw it as being a stinking brat younger brother who was too big for his britches, and um, 
As his story unfolds in the Bible, the most unthinkable thing happens. And his own brothers, his own flesh and blood, take him and sell him as a slave because they're just, they're done with him. It's like, we want nothing to do with you. We want nothing to do with your gift. (laughs) But if you fast forward this story, I mean, do you think that can do something to somebody? You're a young person. You're your father's favorite child and your own flesh and blood sell you as a slave to a foreign country? Do you think that can mess with you? Yeah, that can do some deep stuff with you. But when you take all of that and you fast forward, fast forward, fast forward a bunch of years in the Bible, you see God taking that woundedness and what happened in his life and causing an incredible blessing, and not only a blessing, but a capacity to love and to forgive that is almost unbelievable. After the death of their father, his brothers come and they lied. <laughs> said, don't, don't do anything to us. Dad's dying wish, he said to us. <laughs> you tell your brother not to hurt us because he had achieved a great position of power. And you know what Joseph's response was? He wept that his brothers would feel that way. He couldn't. He's like, are you kidding me? You're my brothers. That's in the past. We're here. We're here today. And so, you know, people may have knocked your gift around. <laughs> your gift, have you ever got a letter that showed up and it had been apparently lost in the mail for a very long time and it had lived a lifetime <laughs> in the system? And finally, you've got it. It's beat up. It's been opened. It's been taped shut. It's all messy. It looks like there's somebody's footprint on it. And, and you might feel like that's your gift today. You might say, you know, I've walked through life, and, and people have taken my gift. They've knocked it. They've kicked it. They've stepped on it. They've trashed it. They've said it's worthless. And I'm telling you that God has placed something incredible on the inside of you. Beyond just everything he blessed you with and your DNA structure and all of that that you came to the earth with. But he has given gifts to men and to women, to everybody, every child. I remember one time, um, Danielle must have been about 12. You can learn from anybody. Um, I said that like Danielle's really not very brilliant. Hey, you can learn from anybody, even Danielle. <laughs> Danielle's my daughter. <laughs> Uh, but she's about 12. You know, I'm raised by missionaries. And since I was two years old, you know, we pack our suitcases and we travel the globe. And we're here and we're there. We're in hotels. We're in motels. We're in, uh, you know, mud structures. We're in guest houses. We're in, you know, you do the same thing every time. You put your suitcase down. You unzip it. You flip it open. And you, and you live. And so... We were going to this conference, and um, I always done the same thing. So I was a little girl. Get there, find a place for your suitcase, unzip it, flip open the top, here we go. And so this is a, kind of a long conference, and, and Danielle, she's about 12, 13, something like that. She says, Mom, are you going to use any of those drawers? I'm like, drawers. Who uses drawers in a hotel? <laughs> no, I'm not going to use those drawers. I mean, this is, I've been doing this since I was two. You come in, you find a spot for your suitcase, you unzip it, you flip the top open, this is what we do. And so for the next week, I I dug around in my suitcase while I watched Danielle just walk to her little drawers, open, 
find the things she wanted. And, and that was the last time that all the drawers were available to Danielle. <laughs> you know, uh, we all have our own giftings. We all have our insights. Sometimes we've lived through some things that we can tell somebody, hey, I know what's at the end of that road. I've already been down that road. And we have things to share in this life, and we have things to receive in this life. So how many of you would like to actually look at the Bible? Okay, that's what I thought. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we'll look at the Bible since we're in church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start here at verse 4. It says, there are diversities of gifts. That means there's all different kinds of gifts. I mean, God has gifts that you haven't even figured out that it's a gift yet. You know, there, uh, my niece, Monty, back there, she has this gift that, oh, I love this gift. She has this gift that you can be wandering around doing something, and her eyes are looking. And she sees what you're going to need two minutes from now that you haven't figured out that you need yet. And when you figure out you need it, there she is. <laughs> and she's got it. She, it. That may not sound like a gift, but honey, let me tell you, that is a gift. And there's all different kinds of gifts. Um, Fred back here, you he started teaching in our children's church. And, you know, real men teach kids. I just thought I'd throw that out there for you. <laughs> just, just thought I'd throw that out there. But uh, Fred's kind of new in the kids' ministry. But when the man gets up, and he talks about, I hear him sharing with the kids, if he says the words about the love of God, there are things that flow out of him because of where he's walked in life and the experience of the love of God that is irreplaceable. It's a gift. And so each one of us, there's all these diversities of gifts, um, but it's the same spirit. He's going out, he's giving gifts to each one. He knows what your gift is going to be. He knows how your gift is going to flow best with what your personality is, your life experience, and he gives you gifts that are perfect for you. He gives you gifts so that you can minister to those who are around you. It says there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Two important things in that verse. It's given to each one. Nobody's left out. You say, I have no gift. You haven't found your gift yet. Or maybe you have your gift, but you you disdain it. You look at it, you say, that's not a gift. That's just the way I am. No, it's a gift. (laughs) It's a blessing. My husband has these gifts that are very... It's... It sounds so odd, but there is an atmosphere around him that travels with him. It's kind of like the reverse of the, you know, the Tasmanian devil in the cartoon. You know, it's like, he does the part, but it's not like he's throwing dirt everywhere. But it's like there's this atmosphere that travels with him. And, you know, when my kids were young, uh, we had to work super hard when he was gone to have fun. Because... There is this fun element that just travels around his person. And when he walks through the door, it's like, oh, thank God he's back. And so when he was gone, we would have to, I mean, I'd have to 
we don't have to go do special things when Mike's home to have fun. But when he's gone, we have to work extra hard to plan all sorts of special things to make up for this thing that just travels around his person. It's a gift. And so everyone has a gift, but because you may not know what your is, or you may not recognize it or value it, you may say, I have no gift, but you have a gift. And the reason that God has given us these gifts is to profit everybody around us. He didn't give you your gift for you. <laughs> he gave you your gift because you're going to use your gift. Of course, it helps you in your life, you know. But you're going to use your gift to help this person over here. And at the same time, you're going to need their gift to help you. And the Lord has us all connected in this way so none of us can stand here and say, I don't need anybody. I can do this all on my own. I got what I need. I came with a loaded package. Nobody came with a loaded package. Every single one of us has been given <laughs> gifts, and we exchange these gifts. And as long as we value one another, and as long as we value ourselves, these gifts flow between us, and there's peace and there's harmony. But how many of you know there's not always peace and harmony? So often there's not peace and harmony inside. And so often there's not peace and harmony in our exchanges with each other. So let's keep reading. Verse 11, we'll just finish up with the other thought. The one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body being many are one body, so also is Christ. So all that he's saying there is. This is me, Melody. <laughs> okay? But inside of me, there's also a brain, and that, that brain is, yeah, it's still me, Melody. I've never actually seen it, but it's there. Inside of me is a heart that's thumping, beating, boom, 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 boom. Um, that's me, Melody. Inside of me are all sorts of glands. That's me, Melody. It's all Melody. I don't see all those parts. Most of you have never seen your parts. <laughs> if things are going well, you've never seen your inward parts. <laughs> if you have, something happened, you know. But it's all me, Melody. And he's saying this is the way that it's supposed to be with the body of Christ. If we look at ourselves collectively, we all make up the body of Christ. Every single one of us. You're like, no, I'm like an extra part. Y'all ever put together something at Christmas for your kids? And when you're done, there were extra parts. <clears throat> and you sort of looked, and maybe you found where the extra part was belonged and you saw how many steps you'd have to undo to put the extra part in place, it's like, mm-mm, no. <laughs> we'll just do without that part. There are no extra parts in the body of Christ laying to the side, not placed anywhere. There are none. Every single one of you have been placed in a place in the body of Christ you have those gifts that have been given to you by the Holy Spirit. You have value. Let's keep reading. Let's look at verse. Um, let's look at verse mm, fifteen. So, if the foot should say, <laughs> "Because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body," sounds ridiculous. We do this all the time. Because I can't. Preach. I don't have value in the body. 
because I'm not good at talking to people. I don't have value in the body. Because I can't cook well and bring things to the potluck, make everybody happy, and say, who cooked that? <laughs> I, I, I'm not a part of the body. And yet, very often, it makes those things I said, they sound very petty, but we do this to ourselves. We look at ourselves and we say, I don't have value. I need you, and I need you, and I need you, and I need you, and I need you to contribute to something to me, and I need you to give to me, but me, I have nothing to give. So, if I've got my hands here, (laughs) if my hands need to screw in a new, new light bulb, we're looking at just the scripture we just read, how are the hands getting to the light bulb? The feet have to carry the hands, have to climb on the chair so that the hands can change the light bulb that needs changing. So if the foot says, because I'm a hand, I have no value, you just haven't recognized your value. You haven't recognized that every time that you want to eat a piece of fruit and you walk over to the refrigerator, open the drawer, the feet carried the hands to do all those things. You know, when those hands are comforting a baby, who's pacing? <laughs> you know, any of y'all had a baby who didn't like to be still? <laughs> you stop movement. Ah, ah! It's like, okay, those feet keep moving. The feet keep moving. It's like the hands are doing the padding, but the feet are doing the important part. (laughs) The feet are keeping moving. But when we don't value ourselves, we look at ourselves and we say, I have no gift. Man, you're missing out. (laughs) You're missing out on the big picture. And it says, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body. Is it therefore not a part of the body? You know, um, all of us, it's great to have great vision, isn't it? Yeah, it's great to be able to see things, but how many of you have been driving in traffic and your eyes tell you everything's fine, change lanes, and your ear hears the honk that says, no, it's not. (laughs) And then your hands adjust the wheel, and your adrenal gland goes, spurt, 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 we need extra energy right now to make this adjustment, and everything's working together, everything's flowing together. But if the ear gets an attitude and says, I'm not participating because I'm not an eye. I'm just not going to participate in this. I wanted to be an eye, and I am not an eye. I have no gift. I have no value. God will show you where your value is and where your gift is. Um, Because I help my husband, I have developed gifts in very, very, very varied areas (laughs) because I'm his wife and I'm here to help him. And so I've learned to do a lot of things I never knew how to do. The first time I ever started teaching children, I looked at all the options and I kept going down the list until I found people who couldn't talk. (laughs) And I said, I will help those children. (laughs) I don't have the courage to teach anyone who might be able to talk back to me or question my doctrine over my lesson to a a two-year-old or three-year-old. So I selected babies, and I'm telling you, do you know when I started teaching those babies and working in a nursery, oh, my goodness, that stretched me. I'd go home every single time with a headache. 
you know what? I didn't know that there was any gifting at all in there. I thought, I can't talk to anybody. <laughs> I cannot talk to people. You know, I can't talk to children. But I work with these babies. But God, as I put my foot out of as I stepped out to do something, he began developing some different things in me from that point to now I enjoy teaching older children who have the capacity to talk back <laughs> and have questions uh, that I'll need to answer, and it's a joy to me. But, you know, you got to get moving to find out what your gifts are. If you sit here and you say, I'm a spare part, I have no value, um, it's not true. And not only is it not a blessing to you, but I'm telling you that there's something in you that every person in this room needs, and you need to figure out what it is so that you can be a blessing in the body. Let's keep moving here. So if the whole body was an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And it would have been nice if I had told you what verses I was reading from. That was 17 and 18. Now we're going into 19. And if they were all one body, all one member, where would the body be? So just think of any body part. Think of a giant foot, giant eyeball, giant ear. It's like, where's the rest of it? <laughs> So God has made us all to fit together in his body, in the body of Christ. So verse 20, now indeed there are many members and yet uh, there is one body. So here comes the next part of our problem. The first part of our problem that we run into is us looking at ourselves and saying, I have no value. I have no value. I don't value who I am. I have nothing to give, nothing to contribute. Then we get into the second part of our problem is we're trying to flow together as a body of Christ. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. You know, we're all human beings in this room. <laughs> we were all raised a certain way. We all have our own personality and then we all have our own version of that personality <laughs> that we've come up with along the way. And uh, sometimes there are people in this world that we just don't value. We don't value them maybe because they're not like us. We don't value them maybe because they irritate us. My husband and I, we still work to flow together. This is a common question for Mike. What do you think? And it's followed about 0.2 seconds later by, huh? Huh, what do you think? What do you think? Huh? And I look at him and I say, I don't know yet. <laughs> you just asked me. I don't know what I think. In order to know what I think, I have to think about it for a while. <laughs> And then I'll know what I think. And then I'll tell you what I think. Do you know how irritating that is for someone who just makes decisions like that? And do you know how irritating it is for someone who has to think about things to have people who just like... <laughs> we made a decision and we've already been there and back and it's all done. It's like, I didn't even get a chance to think about it. <laughs> you know? People who are more quiet. Do you know how irritating it is to be around people who talk all the time? 
people who like to talk, do you know how irritating it is to be around people who won't talk? <laughs> and then little things. I don't like the way you laugh. <laughs> it irritates me. It's a dumb laugh. You should work on your laugh. <laughs> you know what? One of the things that I really want you to take away from here is something the Lord spoke to me a couple years ago. Those of you who know me better will understand more why the Lord might say this to me. But he told me this. He said, let people be who they are and let people be where they are. So when he's saying to me, let people be who they are, that means that Bobby should not have to repackage himself so that I will now love him and accept him. He shouldn't have to do that. Bobby is Bobby and he is unique. Each one of us in this room, we're unique. And when we spend all of our energy and all of our time trying to repackage ourselves for every new environment we walk in with new people, and this one doesn't like the way that I do this. So I can't do that when I'm around them. And this one doesn't accept this quality in me, so I need to make sure that I don't do anything bad. And we spend all of our energy repackaging ourselves so that we'll be loved and accepted. And I'm telling you, the love and the acceptance, just like Joseph did with his brothers in the body of Christ, is supposed to be a given. I don't look at you and say, am I going to love you? I don't look at you and say, am I going to accept you? I just do. Because that's the way the body's supposed to flow. I'm not supposed to be looking inside and saying, <clears throat> um, I, I'm, I'm really not too sure about my, my, my gallbladder. <laughs> you know, I wonder if it's behaving in there. I wonder if it's doing what it should do. I think I'm just going to take it out, you know. It's an extra part. Nobody needs one. I think I'll just get rid of that. Yeah, uh-huh, sometimes it annoys me a little. Uh-huh, going to get rid of this. Going to get rid of that. Don't want to be around this. Don't want to be around that. In the body of Christ, we need to let people be who they are. They're a work in progress. And let me, let me clue you in on something. You're a work in progress too. Every single one of us have, have things that we need to work on. Rough edges, you know. They need a little bit of smoothing off. A little bit of polyurethane put on them. <laughs> Nobody came with a full package, but we need to love and accept people where they are and for who they are. You know, some people aren't coming along at the pace we would like. You know, we've got them on a rehabilitation schedule. <laughs> You're messed up. I've got the answers for you, and here's the schedule. <laughs> and they don't flow with our schedule. And you know what? Some people, they may live and die and never really deal with some things that needed to be dealt with in their life, but they still deserve to be loved and accepted right where they are along the path because that's what God does with us. You know, there's a story in the Bible of a horrible king. He was labeled as the most evil king that Israel ever had. His name was Ahab. His wife was Jezebel. You can go to a country in the middle of Africa who's never heard of the Bible, but they know who Jezebel is. <laughs> Everybody's heard about her. She was an awful, awful woman. And I'm going to really condense this story 
uh, so that Chad doesn't start playing before I want him to. But uh, the guy was such a jerk. He's the king of Israel that he looks out of his window and he says, you know, I've got an inkling I want to get into gardening, you know, and I think it'd be so cool to just walk out of my palace, snatch a tomato right off the vine, sink my teeth into it, mmm, just enjoy a tomato. There's a guy's vineyard down there. I'm just going to go. I'm going to go buy his vineyard, and then I'm going to have my vegetable garden. So he goes to buy the vineyard, and the guy says it's not for sale. The Word of God says clearly right here, I'm not supposed to sell this. It's supposed to go to those who come after me, you know, my descendants. Well, the king, I don't think anybody ever told him no before, and he did um, the most interesting thing. He went home, and he pouted and sulked and refused to eat his supper. He's the king of a nation. And so he's pouting and sulking on his bed saying, don't call me for dinner, I'm not coming. And his wife comes to see Queen Jezebel, comes to see what's wrong with poor, poor Ahab. He says, not coming to dinner because Naboth said he wouldn't sell me his vineyard and I wanted to plant vegetables. Your kids are getting this story today just in case you want to know. So Jezebel said, or excuse me, he, he told you no? Yes, he said no. She said, don't you worry. Another thing about this, honey, I'm going to take care of this problem for you, and your problem's going to be gone. And so this wonderful supportive wife um, went, and she arranged for two men to falsely accuse him. Um, she called a celebration together. Celebration came. The two men stood up, accused the man with the vineyard. They took him outside of the city, stoned him to death, and she went home and said, Your vineyard, it's yours now. Took care of the problem. Good wife. So Ahab is not at all upset at his wife's methods. He puts his robe on, probably grabs a snack because he hadn't been eaten, and he's (laughs) off to the vineyard to look at what now belongs to him. And the Lord arranged for him. You remember, now he's just, murder has been committed so that he can have a vegetable garden within easy walking distance. All right? So the Lord arranges while he's looking at his vineyard for a prophet of God to come and meet him in this vineyard and to confront him and tell him about what's going to happen to him um, because of what he's done. Now, this is the part of the story that I just like. Lord, one day I may be like you like this, but today is not that day. So as soon as this king hears what's going to happen to him because of what he's done, he becomes very sorrowful. Why is he sorrowful? He's sorrowful because he's going to get in trouble and he's going to have a horrible ending. Does that sound like a positive motive? I don't think so. But this is what the Bible records The Bible says he tore his robe. He went in sackcloth and ashes. He said, I'm sorry I've done wrong. And the Lord looked down and said, look at how Ahab is repenting towards me. You have got to be kidding me. Adjust your glasses, Lord. It's great to be positive and optimistic, but let's get real. But I'm telling you something that 
just the way that God was able to look at the heart of an evil man who never had another good moment as long as he lived, just for the record. (laughs) And he delayed judgment for him. God has the capacity to see you and love you and accept you right where you are along the path. He doesn't stand at a distance saying, you get your act together and then I'm going to draw close to you. You get yourself pulled together and then I will accept you. He loves us. He does not approve of everything we do, but he loves us. He accepts us right where we are. He doesn't just look at, I mean, can you imagine being God and you know the potential in this body? You know all that could be if they would just cooperate with your plan. And yet they're laying out, killing people to get a vegetable garden, all this sort of stuff. But God loves people. He lets people be who they are. He lets them be where they are. And as we cooperate with him, he develops all this wonderful thing in us that he has placed in us. But we don't get to reject people around us just because they're not getting with the program. Because that's not the heart of God. So let's keep going here. Verse 22, we're still in 1 Corinthians 12. No, much rather these members, let's finish verse 21. Nor again can the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. I am, after all, the brain. I make everything happen in this body. I don't need you. We don't get to say that. Even if you've been placed in a place of prominence, You don't get to say that. We need everybody who's in the body. Verse 22, no, much rather these members of the body which seem to be weaker. Think about heart, lungs, liver, kidneys, things that have to be protected by bones. We're looking at this comparison of a human body and the body of Christ. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor, honor to that part which lacks it. And there should be, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. We don't say that a liver is more important than the brain. We don't say the brain is more important than the skin. We don't say that the skin is more important than the fingernails. We don't say that the fingernails are more important than the eye. We take care of the whole body. We value the whole body because it all has a gift and a part to play. Uh, And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Little bitty, teeny, tiny, little gland like your pituitary gland goes bad. Ooh, honey, you got problems all over your body. When I was a nurse, one time we had a, a woman, she had had a stroke in an area that somehow impacted that. And the lengths they had to go to to try to get all of those hormones and things to balance out because of this deficit, it was, it, was, it was a challenge. They had experts working on her case trying to figure this out because it wasn't common. You think you don't need this little bitty squishy part? It's not very big. You need it. And we all need one another. Um, verse 26, and if one member suffers, oh, all the members suffer with it. If one is honored, All the members rejoice with it. Just think about your body. You go to the hairdresser. She actually cuts your hair. 
and makes you look good. It doesn't always happen that way. But this time it happens. I mean, your whole body's rejoicing. <laughs> you go out feeling all perky there. Ooh, my hair looks good today. She, she actually cut it the way I wanted it. She got it fixed the way I wanted it. Everything feels happy. Even all your organs are happy inside because your hair got a big do that day. And that's the way it should be. When one part is honored, we're all honored. We don't think, man, I wish that was me. I wish I could do something like that. We value ourselves and we value one another. And I just want you to see how this chapter ends. After we've talked about all of this sort of stuff, the very last uh, part of that verse, verse 31, says, Earnestly desire the gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And guess what it leads into? Just talking to us about the love of God and how it looks like in us, the love of God. Because, honey, I'm telling you, you've got to understand the love of God if we're going to brush shoulders with each other and say, you know what, I don't know why Dwayne affects me this way, but I'm going to find value in him. There is a treasure hidden in him that I need, and he might be rubbing me the wrong way, but I'm going to figure out how to get past that. I'm going to accept him. He doesn't have to repackage himself for me. But I'm going to dig into him and I'm going to find the treasure in him. I'm going to find it. I'm going to look into John and I don't care what he does. Maybe he smarts off the mouth at me, which you never have times okay. But maybe he smarts off and he makes me irritated. But I'm not going to let that throw me. I'm going to recognize that there is a treasure in John that I need. I need him. There's something in him that has such value. It will add so much to me. And these two things, these two things, they can throw us off. We're the body of Christ flowing. One time we put together this giant puzzle. It was giant for us. It wouldn't be giant to some of you, but it was giant for us. And we were down to the last piece. And it was missing. It was a brand new puzzle. Box was unopened. And we searched, we tore. I was not a happy mom that day. I thought of everything. The, la the only thing I could think of was Danielle had vacuumed. I thought, you know, our carpet was gray. Most, most puzzle pieces are kind of gray. And so it got vacuumed. I pulled out the vacuum. My husband said, leave that thing alone. And I did not. <laughs> I was finding that piece. Do you know how many pieces to that puzzle we had put in? I tore the vacuum apart cost my sweet husband, I believe, $60 to get it repaired. <laughs> no, puzzle piece. No puzzle piece. You know, there were all those pieces on the table in place. But can I tell you, the only one we were concerned with <laughs> was one was missing. Because there was only one that would fit in that hole and complete the picture. And you are a piece just like that. You are the only one who has just been created exactly for this spot in the body of Christ. Now, we were doing some painting yesterday, and, you know, everything was everywhere, so we couldn't find the flathead screwdriver. And, well, we do have more than one, but you'd have to walk all the way into the garage, which was like 20 steps away, and who wants to do that? So my son gets a butter knife, and how many of you know that you can take screws out with a butter knife? You can. It can happen. But it's not near as effective as having just the proper screwdriver, especially if you're blessed enough to have one of those little magnet ends so that the screw doesn't get away from you. 
And so people around you can fill in holes. And, and if you're saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not an ear, so I have no value. I'm not going to do nothing. People around you can make up for your lack, for what you're not contributing, for, for you refusing to offer your gift because you don't, you don't value it. But they will never be as good at it as you because that's not what they were designed for. They're just trying to fill in the spaces. So I want you to walk out of here. If anyone walks out of here, do not walk out with your head down. What time actually is it? You know, my husband doesn't always cooperate with this, so I shouldn't have to always cooperate with either. But this will take me like five minutes, and I think I'm still, like, legal, you know. So there is, how many of you have heard of the, the Clifton Strength Finders Test? Okay, so I'm going to tell you about it since you don't know about it. So this is a test that was devised, I believe, by Gallup. And I was reading a book on it. It was really interesting. But they identified 34 strengths. Uh, And their goal was that as people would take these, these tests, it would identify their strengths from 1 to 34, with their greatest strength being number 1, their last being number 34. And so their goal was that people would take this test, they would identify their strengths and realize what they're good at, what God created them for, and that they would capitalize on that. Does that sound like a good idea? Yeah. So people would take the test, and what they found out people were doing is they would, like, read the first five, and then guess where they would jump to? They'd jump to the bottom. What am I awful at? Because whatever I'm awful at is really where I should focus my attention. This is called repackaging yourself. (laughs) This is where I should, if I'm awful at it, surely this is hindering me. I should get better and better and better and better at these things down here. But that's not what the test was designed for. It was designed to help you identify your strengths so that you could flow in what you were created to do. So... These are some statistics from the, that test, which is not, I mean, I mean, you won't find the test in the Bible, okay? So we're not talking about Bible truth or anything. But I think it's helpful. They, they found out that when they did all the numbers, to find somebody else who had your top five strengths in the order that you had those strengths in, just five, not 34, but five, it would be one in 33 million. And they did the math. I didn't do the math, but this is the math they said they came up with. That that would mean that on the face of this earth, there are only 225 people who have the same top five strengths as you in the same order that you have men in the entire earth. And if you pressed that to six, if you looked at the top six strengths, to find somebody on the earth who had the same six you did in the same order you did of the top strengths, they said you may or you may not find one other person on the earth with your same strengths in that order. You know, that should just make you just stick your chest out a little. That should make you stand up tall and say, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm not everything, but I'm something. God has created me to be something. If I am that unique, if these are my strengths, God has given me gifts that I can flow in and I can be a part of this body. I can be a blessing. So don't look down on who you are and don't look down on your neighbor.
the one who irritates you. Train yourself to look past it. Train yourself to be ready. Okay, they're, they're going to say something that irritates me with, I'm with them. I'm going to be ready to look past it. I'm going to find the value. I'm going to find the gift. I'm going to find what God's put in them because I need to find it because I'm a part of this body. I need to understand it. I need to know where to go. If I need this certain thing, I need to know where to go. Who has it? Who has the gift? Who has that gift? I, I need to know. If we need something put all in order, made neat and tidy, I need to know who has that gift. If we know, this is, this is something interesting I found out. If we need paper cut straight, you need to have a gift. <laughs> Not everybody can cut paper straight, even with a paper cutter that has a ruler on it. It's a gift. <laughs> and I found there's people that you don't want cutting your paper because it won't be straight. And they don't care if one piece is five inches wide and the other piece is six inches wide. Will drive me bananas. So I need to know where the gifts are. I need to understand this body that I'm a part of. So I want us to just close our eyes. I had to coach the first service. We're going to have a repeated prayer. The kids know how to do this downstairs, but you guys don't know how to do this. So I'm going to say something, and you're going to repeat it after me until I tell you to stop, okay? So I want you to just check into your heart as we're praying this together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for believing in me and for investing in me. I believe I have gifts. Forgive me, Lord, for looking down on them, for not esteeming highly what you gave to me as something unique and incredible. Help me to learn to use my gift. And Lord, help me to value the gifts in others. Help me look past our differences and embrace the gift that you've placed in them and value them the way that you do.